We are continuing our study on the Saving Truth Doctrine for Lay People uh, by Reverend Dr. Kurt E. Marquardt, uh, who uh, now rests from his labors. Um, In the book itself, we're on page 93. I believe this is chapter 6, correct? So we are under baptism and uh, daily life. So let's go ahead and get started. We've got it up for you on the wall there for you to follow along as well. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, absolve your people from their offenses, that from the bonds of our sins, which by reason of our frailty we have brought upon ourselves, we may be delivered by your bountiful goodness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Okay, what is the power that is at work in baptism? Before we get to the text, very simple answer. The power at work in baptism is the Word of God. Okay. What receives now the word of God and the water? What receives it? Faith. Okay. Early service people make the connection. Late service people, as always, wait for it. Okay. Faith always receives that which Jesus gives. Always. Okay. Um, and so we had a couple of questions a couple weeks ago. Um, about baptism. If baptism is so important, um, why not baptize, you know, immediately right after the kid comes out of the womb? Um, Or my goodness, I mean, with technology today, we could probably just baptize in utero. I mean, we can fix everything else through a tiny little slit and microscopic surgery stuff, right? We just have a computer and we'll have a baptismal technician with, with a big LCD display or whatever, and we'll just go in and baptize that little runt as soon as you find out you're pregnant, right? Um, That's where faith comes in, okay? Um, So Jesus commands baptism, but keep in mind it it is faith now which saves. Baptism saves because faith receives that which Jesus promises, got it? Which is the Word of God, which is Christ himself, okay? Um, and so there's no reason why you would ever want to reject baptism. Um, why do we hold off baptism a week, two weeks, you know, two months? Um, that's a fair question. I would say that would be a little bit up to you and your conscience. Um, but keep in mind that if the mother has been in church on a regular basis, has been hearing and hearing the, the word of the Lord and receiving the gifts, that also are gifts given to who? The baby. So um, I would go out on a limb, and I couldn't, like, substantiate this, and this is where we pastors get ourselves in trouble, but, you know, 99.9% of all baptisms, probably more than that, faith is already there. You got it? Faith is already there for the child in the womb. How can we say that? Is not my word like a hammer that breaks rock in pieces, God says? So if God's word can penetrate uh, joint and marrow, how can it not penetrate uh, the, the layer of a mom's belly to get into the child? Now, this is, this is sacramental, right? So in the presence of God word, God's word, the Holy Spirit is at work. Uh, faith is created. Faith now saves, okay? So then baptism should be done. As quickly as possible, but you won't find most of us as pastors make a law about that, right? 
There used to be a law with circumcision. What was the law with circumcision? Eight days, right? You know, eight days, you better, you better bring, and of course that's just the boys, all right? Uh, you better bring the boys and snip, snip, uh, let them do their work, okay? Um, and, uh, and that was how God promised, not just promised that you would be part of the covenant, but God also commanded that from a law perspective, okay? So we would say uh, Jesus commands baptism because he says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we would use the word mandate. That's mandate talk in the same way that Jesus mandates the Lord's Supper in his last will and testament. In the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, um, take, eat, take, drink, uh, do this uh, often. Um, So faith now is there, and baptism then should follow as soon as possible. Why do we baptize in the church as opposed to just baptizing in uh, the hospital or when you get them back home and you give them their first bath in the sink? Or maybe you've got one of those fancy pants baby bath, bath, uh, baptizing tubs. Baby <laughs> washing tubs. You know what I mean. they got the little suction cups on them and you put them on the counter and they don't move. And you got to go get the, the crowbar to get them off the counter. Um, so... You know, why, why not then? Well, a couple of reasons. Faith is, faith is there already with the child, um, especially if you've been in church and you read God's Word, and you have that assurance. And so for uh, couples that have, have lost children in the womb, um, where a, a child has uh, died in the womb uh, prior to the opportunity to be baptized, uh, we have every assurance that God's Word was there, uh, and faith now is where God says it will be, Okay. So even these little ones, which are precious to Jesus, that never had the opportunity to be baptized, uh, fall under his promises uh, of faith being created and also him being a very compassionate, uh, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love kind of God. Okay, So that's, that's where we go with that. And that gives us great comfort. That's pure and precious gospel. Okay, um, So to baptize then um, as soon as possible, one, you know, why not just do it at home in the baby baptizing tub or do it uh, at the hospital? Uh, because we, we do those things um, together in church because we recognize that we're part of a larger family. And this is a fellowship concept, right? It's, it, it, it is akin to where should you take the Lord's Supper? Where's the best place for you to take communion? At your church, with your family, from your pastors, Okay. Now, does that mean that you can't take it elsewhere? Of course not. Okay. And we wouldn't make a law that way. Okay. Uh, but the best place to take it is there from the pastors that God has given to be stewards of these gifts for you. They know you. They know your confession. And amongst those that you know what they believe as well. Okay. And that's part of why we practice closed communion. It's a family thing. Okay. You would probably be very careful about who you would invite into your home for a family meal. Is that safe to say? You know, you drive down Michigan Road at certain times of the day, and you'll see people there on the corner saying hungry or will work for food. Uh, how many of you have gone up and said, hey, why don't you come over to my uh, house tonight for supper? Raise your hand if you've done that. Well, shame on you. You're going to hell because you're a horrible evangelist. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> i got to watch what I say. This stuff's out there on the World Wide Web. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So the point would be that, you know, you, you, you wouldn't just 
have a meal with just anybody in that sense, right? You would want to get to know them to make sure that they're that they're that they're they're safe, uh, and that it's it's good for your family. So you know, there's a lot of, of interesting connections to that. Okay, but back to baptism, we typically typically will do those things where we gather together when we gather together on the Lord's day. Okay, so baptism then done as soon as possible. You might have nowadays it's really changed because people live all over the place, right? Um, you go back 50, 75 years, and even further back, most people tend to live within, you know, 5 to 10, 15 miles of each other, okay? Even people that, that did live in the city, you didn't tend to have, you know, you either kind of lived in the city or you lived in the country, and you didn't move too far away. Nowadays, I mean, we just drive and fly everywhere, don't we? Um, my family spread out. Uh, historically, both sides of my family were either in pretty much Missouri or Minnesota, um, that was that was pretty much where everybody was, and uh, and now we're we're all over the place. I mean, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, um, well, Virginia, your family. We're just kind of all over the place, and so that makes it a little more difficult. So you want to get sponsors together and that sort of thing. So just promise me this: when you have a kid and you're ready to baptize them, just 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 do it sooner rather than later. I mean, get the family stuff taken care of, um, and, and, you know, and, and, and as soon as that kid comes out, start praying, start reading God's Word. Um, you know, sometimes the child, when they're born, you know, cannot be around people right away because of RSV, and I'm preaching the choir here. You guys know all about that crazy stuff in certain times of year. So, you know, make that, and that's why it's important at home to read, to pray, to let God do its work, and you have the promise that faith is there. Okay, faith receives that gift, so faith receives now baptism. Um, I don't know if I told this story, but I had a, a young man that came to me, and um, he had uh, was having crazy stuff in his house. I can't remember if I told this story. I've got lots of stories. And, um, and he had a little glass vial, and he said, can you go get some water out of the baptismal font and, and put it in this jar because I want to get rid of some of the evil spirits that are in my house. And I said, well, one, we don't keep water in our baptismal font. Um, I said, but I'll go fill it up real quick. (laughs) I I like to toy with people sometimes. Yeah, I'll give you some water. I just got to go turn the faucet on and fill it up. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I I want that special baptism water. And I said, "Um, where did you hear about special baptism water? Well, the Roman Catholic priest down the road uh, said that uh, there's special holy water that will keep the demons and evil spirits away. And I said, okay. I said, so is your faith and trust in water that a priest or a church would bless, or is your faith and trust in Jesus himself or his word, which promises to protect you from sin, death, and the devil? And, of course, he's like deer in the headlights at that point. Right? He's like, what? <laughs> just give me the water, man. <laughs> I just want to sprinkle it around my house and get all the crazy stuff stopped, right? And so I had a great opportunity to talk with him then about what, what faith is and how faith receives that. And, of course, he was baptized, but he had never been taught to extol the gifts that he had in his, baptize, in his baptism, right? So baptism works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, right? So you got two things that baptism clearly does that God promises, okay, and gives eternal salvation now to all who have faith in this, which early service people, you can cease to believe in 
your baptism in what God has done. You can reject your faith, okay? Late service people will get there. Be patient, okay? You can get to that point where my baptism means nothing, okay? And that's why we extol those gifts. We talk about them, sometimes ad nauseum, um, because that's where Scripture goes with it, okay? All right, so, um, oh, Neil, you had one more question about baptism I wanted to just address a little bit, and I think... Your question, if I remember, there were two questions, one for my wife and one from you. One that was about, um, or maybe I'm, it might be confusing, difference between Lord's Supper and baptism. Do you want to ask that question again real quick, and we'll get you on the World Wide Web as well? If you can remember it, okay. That's okay if you can't, because I've got other stuff prepared, so... <laughs> Okay, stop, stop. Okay, so in the Lord's Supper, we believe that uh, someone is receiving Christ's true body and blood, whether they receive it or not, okay? As long as Christ's words have been spoken over it, okay, go ahead. But in baptism, Baptism, well, okay, so, oh, oh, I know where you're going. Okay, okay. So faith comes from hearing the word of God. So in that sense, can you see faith? Can you see faith in a little child, whether in the womb or out of it? Okay? Most of the time, I mean, those kids, they're just little sinners. They're so needy. And they're so selfish. Do they, they take a moment to think about themselves? If you've got little kids, you know what this is all about. They don't, they don't give a lick about you. I mean, they eat, sleep, poop, and pee whenever they want on their schedule. And you can try and put them on a schedule, but good luck with that. So, so here... He did kind of dive into that just a little bit. Um, and, uh, and, and I wish he was still around to talk a little bit about that. And, and uh, um, you're a smart guy. I wish you hadn't picked up on that. <laughs> um, because that, that, that would be a little finer point of theology. Um, and, and let me, I know where he's going with this, and so in some respects I'm with him totally, okay? It would be, for example, let's, um, let's take the Mormon church, for example, Okay. The Mormon church is not Christian. Why? They don't believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? So they do not believe in the, in the one true God. Do they believe there is a Father? Yes. Do they believe there is a Son? Yes. Do they believe there is a Holy Spirit? Yes. But would they confess the, the, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed? And the answer is no. Okay? Now, might there be Christians within the Mormon church? Absolutely. Why? Well, they do still read the Bible. I mean, granted, it's not the most important. The Book of Mormon, which has changed, you know, more times than you've probably changed underpants, I hope. Um, yeah, I said that. 
So, I mean, the Book of Mormon has undergone so many revisions over the years, right? Because the current prophet receives now new revelation from the Word of God, right? And so whenever he receives new revelation, then that becomes, you know, the Book of Mormon then gets edited. That's why right now the, the Mormon church now has changed its stance on whether homosexuality is sin or not. Have you been following the news? Very interesting, okay? Um, it changed, I mean, they've, they've changed a lot. Um, and because it's, it's, it's new revelation. Whereas we would say the Bible is closed, right? 66 books of the Bible, uh, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, this is God's Word, okay? Um, and, and, and God is not going to speak now outside of that Word. We're not seeking after new revelation, okay? Um, but, but back to the Mormons. So um, let's say that, and, and they do baptisms. Matter of fact, each of you here um, have most likely been baptized, not physically, but somebody has been baptized for you in the Mormon church. Did you know that? So they practice not only baptisms, um, and, th- and this, this kind of offends me actually. I mean, it offends me personally. You can decide what you want. But it offends me that, that my name would be in another church and, you know, Joe Schmo is going up there and, you know, I'm here to present myself to be baptized for Reverend Marcus J. McKay, that flaming Lutheran heretic. <laughs> and we want to make sure, I'm supposed to love him, so I'm here to be baptized for him to make sure that he can, he can get to whatever, uh, you know, planet that I get bestowed, you know, in the, in the life to come, okay? Um, and uh, so that's why the Mormon church has one of the greatest genealogical databases, so if you've really done some very in-depth research, and I wish Pastor Feeney was here because he could talk for like five hours about genealogy and, and find out how he's probably connected to each one of you. Um, <laughs> Pastor Feeney, I hope you're listening to this. That was the first thing he did with me was he found out how our families were related when I got here a year ago. And that's, that's why I love him for that. I love him for that, right? So... You know, I, 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 wanted, I didn't know him very well at the time. It was like, did you used to be Mormon or something? <laughs> I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And, um, but that's why they do that, because they want to keep track of where everybody's from, and they want to make sure that everybody now um, you know, can be baptized and, and have every opportunity for that. Okay, So let's just play along here. This is a little hypothetical. So let's say that they go ahead and do a baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, so they're just saying the words, but they who are baptizing do not believe anything about them at all. So Marquardt's point would be is that baptism should be received in that community of faith where there is the same confession. Okay, now I'm not sure I would go quite so far to simply say that uh, the Word of God spoken by an unbeliever still can't do its work. I don't know if I would go that far, okay? Um, because even an unbeliever reading the Bible can come to faith without having a pastor or someone else there to explain it, right? Um, and so God's Word is efficacious in and of itself, okay? So I wouldn't be willing to stretch that too far, But if somebody, and I've had this before, they come to me from the Mormon church, even if they think they were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we re-baptize, or we don't re, we baptize. Why? Because their confession of faith is completely different, okay? Now, let's say they're coming from a church that does properly confess Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Raise your hand if you weren't baptized in a Lutheran church. 
Okay? Now, wave your hand a lot if Pastor Feeney made you get rebaptized. No, none of you. Because all of you came still from a Christian church that was Trinitarian, right? So the confession of faith was still there. Um, and so Marquardt's just warning against false teaching and false theology. And I, I don't think we want to press that too far. Um, if he was here, he'd probably probably correct me in some way. Um, but um, that, that would be where I would, I would stand on that. So, um, you know, confession of faith, you know, what is it? And it needs to be done in, in that regards in the best possible way. And that's why we would also like for baptism, I mean, the, the best thing would be to have your pastor, pastors do the baptism there in your church. Um, however, uh, if, uh, you know, life is at stake, the Word of God does its work. And so even through you as a layperson, um, you know, the Word of God does that work. So you can baptize, okay? So baptisms might fall a little bit more under emergency. I really don't like that word, but imminent type of death. Whereas the Lord's Supper uh, is a gift for here and now. The Lord's Supper is not, there should never be emergency Lord's Supper. I'm just going to say that right out. Some people might disagree with me on that, but the Lord's Supper is not, there, there should never be an emergency situation with the Lord's Supper. It's a gift that's intended to be given, you know, amongst a family, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's extra stuff that Jesus gives in a certain way. And that's how we need to look at it, okay? And I think our church has looked at it completely different sometimes. You know, or I have to have the Lord's Supper wherever I go, you know, or wherever I take it. It doesn't really matter what the confession of faith is. So whether I take it at the Presbyterian Church or the Methodist Church, then it just gets all very convoluted. And the confession of faith, that family thing, gets completely forgot, okay? Um, because there, there is, a, there is a, a unity there you know, between people that commune together. Not just between you and God, but also between you and other people. Okay? And if I invited Mark Harris up here, he's been reading all my books on closed communion. He could probably give a one-hour lecture on closed communion. You think? Uh, yeah, I doubt that. All right, any question, any follow-up questions on baptism before we get back into his text here? We just had a couple things I wanted to clarify, okay? So the Word of God does its work. Uh, faith now receives that Word of God uh, in and with the water uh, and the words that there. Um, and, uh, and that's it. Okay, we are on page 93, Baptism and Daily Life. Having <clears throat> been made participants in the death and resurrection of Christ by baptism, and that's Romans 6.4 and Colossians 2.12, his forgiven and reborn people are now called to live a new life of service to God and man. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, and this by the power of that same risen Jesus Christ, whom they have put on in baptism, okay? The small catechism puts it like this, and let's read this together. What does such baptizing with water signify? Answer, it signifies that the old Adam in us must by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil lusts. And again, daily, a new man come out and arise, who is to live before God forever in righteousness and purity, right? So just to review, you are two things at the same time. This is a paradox. Uh, you know, our Western minds, our Western trained minds cannot understand this. You are both a saint and a sinner at the same time. You were born completely a sinner, okay? 
um, you were born. That's the original sin um, that uh, was passed down to you all the way from Adam and Eve. Everyone has it. Uh, When you are born, you are apart from Christ. Your father is the devil, as Jesus says. Um, And uh, now what does God want to do? He wants to come and create a clean heart within you. He wants to renew a right spirit, okay, uh, there to combat now the wrong spirit. Um, and, and once that faith comes, once the word of God does its work, once that faith receives the gifts of, of baptism, once that faith as well makes a public confession of its faith, which, which is where confirmation is still important, okay, um, once, uh, uh, you know, that faith is there that it re- receives the bread and wine, the body and blood, uh, and so on and so forth, okay? Um, uh, in the midst of all that, there still yet remains your, your old Adam, okay? Um, which will not uh, be dead because the old Adam clings to your flesh, okay? So your old Adam now is still there until the day you die, which is why we have great reason to rejoice when a brother or sister in Christ, regardless of the age, dies, no matter the way. There's always um, assurance, and, and when we have to remind ourselves of this, that they now rest from their labors, and, and one of their biggest labors, each of ours, is our wrestling with sin on a, on a daily basis, or the wrestling match within ourselves between the old Adam and the new Adam. Okay, So when someone dies, they no longer have that battle anymore, okay, um, when, a, when a believer dies, I should say, uh, and their, their body now rests, and that's why we, we take special care of the body, uh, we should still treat that body with honor um, and respect, we sow it, uh, St. Paul says, as a seed into the ground, uh, which is why, you know, uh, the tradition for Christians is to bury a body, um, can you be cremated, yes you can, I would simply ask, what does that have to do with your confession of taking care of your body? Um, and you may not have a lot of money, and cremation might be cheaper, although you probably haven't learned about green funerals. Come see me, and we'll talk about a really cheap way to be buried without having to have all the extra stuff done um, that's really not that expensive, but I'm just going to stop there because I don't want to incite a riot, um, but uh, bury the body of the seed in the ground, waiting for the day of the resurrection, because what will happen? The dead in Christ shall rise first, Right? Uh, The perishable shall be clothed with the imperishable. The mortal shall put on immortality. Okay? And just as Christ, who himself died and was buried in the ground, um, rose to life, so now shall that body. But until then, um, now that, that, that soul, that spirit, rests with Christ in heaven above. We just had All Saints Day not long ago. Um, and a great reminder, not just of the martyrs, those who died in their faith, but also all souls, right? So All Saints Day for us is kind of two things. It's, it's, it's all the, what we call the historic saints who have died, you know, uh, Ambrose and, and Luther and Augustine and, you know, I'm kind of bouncing around with my dates here, but, you know, all these, these big people that played a role in the church. But then there's also all souls, which we, we kind of do at the same time, and that's all believers in Christ, okay? And that's why on All Saints Day, uh, we um, uh, remember the, those who have died in the Lord and rest from their labors. So we, we speak the names of those who died the 12 months previous. 
uh, that were members here in our fellowship. And then we remember our other loved ones as well. Uh, they may not be part of our church body here, but remember those who have died in Christ and they rest from their labors. Okay? So there's a reunion yet to come on that. Um, all of this is part of faith receiving now God's gifts and his word. Okay? So baptism gives that promise that this is what's going to happen. You're clothed with Jesus. You're robed with his righteousness. So when judgment day comes, and it will, when you stand before the throne, okay, you appear as one who is righteous. Not because of your works or your deeds, but because you are robed or clothed with Jesus. This is your wedding garment, as Jesus tells the parable of the wedding feast. Okay? And if you want to you not get into this banquet or you want to get thrown out, however you want to say it, then you can take off your garment. You can reject your baptism. You can reject the gifts that God has given and saying, I don't need any of those. I don't want any of those. And that's pretty much what you say when you, you know, say, well, church just doesn't do anything for me. Or I just don't, I don't need to pray. I don't need to read or study scripture. I'm just not feeling it, right? We all know how that not feeling thing goes, right? You had a list of things you need to do a certain day. You know, and you wake up, and maybe you got a couple other things. I just don't feel like doing that today. Raise your hand if you've ever said that. You all need to raise your hand because we've, we've all been there, right? Um, and so you're completely 100% a sinner, and you, you always need that. So when you start to reject that, it, one, it gets easier and easier to continue to reject. Yeah, I don't think someone who has come to faith, you know, ever wakes up one morning and says, Oh, I'm just going to completely reject God from here on out. Okay? Um, Maybe there's been one occurrence of that. I highly doubt it. I think what happens with most people who have, you know, started in the faith, raised in the church, or come to it, um, slowly just bit by bit start to kind of fade away, okay? And it just becomes a little easier uh, to not pray, to not study Scripture, to not come to church. And, and the devil really quickly supplies you with other things to take up your time. Okay, pray, pray for our young families today. If you've got kids at home, I mean, my wife and I talk about this all the time, like we're old fogies, but we didn't, never seemed like we were this busy back when we were this age. I mean, we all played sports and did all that, but, you know, um, and, and there's so many good things there for our kids to do nowadays, and we want our kids to have all that, but how much of that takes the place of family time, of moms and dads, praying together, teaching, spending time with your kids, instruction. How much does it take the place of going to church, you know, um, of, of learning God's word, of receiving those gifts? Um, and I don't have the answer for you. I'm just saying, just ask the questions. And at some point, you've you got to draw a line somewhere, right? As for me and my house, we will fill in the blank, right? So you, you've got to make that decision, you know, together as, as, as mom and dad, and, and grandparents, some of you are really involved in your grandparent or in your uh, grandchildren's life and have to be for various reasons, okay? All right, let's get back to the... Any questions? You laugh at me all the time. I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> Top of page 94. In an age like ours, um, and let's just go to 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 4. Can we read a little scripture here? Because that's kind of what we're talking about. So in, in our, our contemporary world, if you will, uh, God's word is, is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So God's word hasn't changed, will never change, and applies to every time and season. Um, so let's read 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 4 together. You ready? But understand this. 
that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Keep going. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Stop there. Take the knife in your hand. You ready? Stab yourself and twist it. Because that's God's law, God's law there, pointing out um, the dangers and, and just our sin in general, right? I mean, it's just we're, we're navel gazers, okay? And, uh, and, and our biggest thing is always self-justification uh, before God and, and before others. And we all fall into that trap in many and various ways, right? Uh, we, we all want to be right and we want to justify our actions and what we do and, you know, and... And even sometimes when we are right, it ends up screwing things up. Um, and so it, it's, it's a challenge to, to humble ourselves uh, and, 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 and admit where we're, where we're at with that. Okay? I love this last, well, I don't love this last part, but having the appearance of godliness. Right? Uh, so we kind of put on this, this brave face. Um, and this is where we turn, and it's why we pray out uh, Kyrie, uh, uh, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. Uh, because there's only one who can truly help us. We can't help ourselves. And so the divine service is all about presenting ourselves to God as poor, beaten down, sinful people who need what he's going to offer. Okay? And then he comes and give it, gives it to us. Okay? And we may or may not always understand that. We may not always feel you know, in the right mind with it, but that, that faith there that's been given you by the Holy Spirit receives these gifts. Somebody asked me the other day, Pastor, uh, would you commune someone um, who was, uh, had Down syndrome? And I said, do they have faith? Um, I've communed a, a number of uh, people w- who have mental disabilities in various ways. Okay? Um, probably the, 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 I don't know. I don't know what the word here. Please, there's some PC people who I don't correct what I'm going to say. I got to be careful because I'm not kind of trained for this. But lowest education level, maybe, or mental faculties, like about first or second grade, is probably the lowest. Okay, um, but I was their pastor, and uh, and and they were at church there, and they they desired those gifts. Could they understand all some of the stuff that you do and I do? I mean, could they, you know, explain the difference between objective justification and subject just? I can't even say the word. And you're looking at me. I don't know what that means anyway. Um, you know, um, you know. But they know the basics of the faith. They might even, you know, I, I try and teach them the Ten Commandments, and you'd be surprised how quickly they can learn some of that, and what a comfort that is uh, to people to know the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, uh, and so yeah. If faith is there. What about someone who, um, uh, it happened to my grandma, um, you know, uh, uh, gets dementia so bad that they don't even know who they are? You know, would you still commune them? And I, and I would ask the same question. What was their faith? So I've had a lot of members like that. I knew their faith. And their faith didn't change. Their body changed. Their mind changed. Would I still commune them? Absolutely. You betcha. Why? I knew their confession of faith. 
Because the benefit of the Lord's body and blood wasn't based on how well their synapses were firing in their brain. You've tracking? The gift of the Lord's body and blood hinges on Jesus' word and promise. Second, it's received by faith. Okay? And faith is still there even if the body and mind start to fade away. Now, does that mean that I would force feed someone? I mean, I've been in the hospital before. Somebody wants to take the Lord's Supper, and they can't swallow or eat or drink anything. Okay? Then well, just I will assure them of their forgiveness. We'll do the you know, absolution if they can't take it. Um, and I'll you know, remind them that you know, as much as I they physically can't take it, right? You know what I mean? Um, that they're still forgiven, and there's lots of Scripture that will go to that. So, um, so questions on that? So faith receives the gifts. I guess that's what I'm driving home today that I want to make sure you understand. Um, and that faith is God's gift, all right? Uh, and so it, 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 you've you got to be careful when you talk about, you know, that faith in terms of just your physical body and being. So there, there's a very sacramental, mysterious, paradoxical uh, approach that we kind of have to take to that. And that's we've, we've really been trained with this kind of Western even Greek dualism type stuff, and now I'm getting way over your head and mine. Um, but, you know, we, we, it, we, we need to just come back to God's word and just simply accept it for what it is. Okay. We good? Questions? Uh-oh. No one else can snatch you out of God's hand, but you can jump out of God's hand. Okay? You can, um, I don't want to get into erasing the book because Scripture doesn't talk about that. I mean, I guess what you do is you cross your name out. I'm not sure how that works with the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay? So faith the size of, this is where we get into talking about the size of faith, right? Is that fair? So faith the size of a mustard seed, you know, that sort of thing. And, and I, I really, I think that's kind of the wrong direction, I guess, to take with it. Um, in God's eyes, you either have faith or you don't, okay? Um, and remember that church, you know, the visible church consists of both believers and hypocrites. It's the word scripture uses, okay? Those who claim to believe, or as we just read, they have the appearance of godliness, right? Um, and so only the Lord, and we have to be careful, only the Lord can look in and see what's that, what is there. But Scripture also tells us that, that there are those who have faith that, that can remove themselves from God's grace. The devil can't do that to you. He will tempt you. Other people can't do that to you. They might tempt you as well, the devil, the world, and your sinful nature. But you're the only one that can, can reject, okay? Um, so... Um, I guess you would you would call it a, a divorce from God in some way, shape, or form. Is it possible? Yes. How do we know that? We have many scripture accounts. King Saul would be a great one. Okay? Judas would be an even better one. Okay? Uh, great warning, right? And then that great, you, you want to get a, a whole bunch of seminarians wound up over a glass of beer, 
You know, ask them about whether Jesus communed Judas or not. Yeah. <laughs> Is that fair, pastors? Where, where's, where's my other? There you Yeah, see, you're nodding your heads. Yeah, yeah. So we get, you know, you get all this, and, and, and that gets kind of fun, right? Um, so I was in the deer blind on Saturday, uh, or no, yeah, Friday, sorry, Friday afternoon with uh, a fourth-year seminarian from, he's up at Fort Wayne, and he was from Nebraska, so I kind of watched him uh, grow up, and uh, he didn't have a good place to hunt this year, and I said, oh, I know some wonderful folks down here that might maybe just let you come hunt their property, and of course, so the Silverbergs were very gracious and uh, fed him and wined him and dined him, which was great, and, uh, and so we're sitting out, so John hunted with him Friday morning. Um, I had to do some work uh, at church and family stuff, so I couldn't get out there till the afternoon on Friday. And the first four hours, yeah, here's me sitting in the, in the deer blind. Here's the fourth-year seminarian. We didn't see any deer. I wonder why. <laughs> but it was great. I mean, you know, and, and, and I, I love the seminary, and I was thinking about, man, was I that bad when I was? <laughs> Not bad. That's the route. I mean, was I... You know, it's just such a zest and a zeal for the Word of God, and you're just so, you're so fired up, you know, and you've kind of got everything figured out, but at the same time, you think you don't, but you're so excited that you've finally figured some things out that you didn't get before, you know, and, uh, and I, 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 I lo- don't get me wrong, I loved it, right, um, and it was just kind of that zest and that zeal, right, and so I think, I think what happens when you start to talk about falling away from the faith is you start to lose a little bit of that zest and zeal. And I think you just slowly kind of find other things to kind of occupy some of that. And, 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 I, and I think we, we don't want to become charismatics with it and say everything's based on how we feel and that sort of thing. Um, but yes, we do not believe once saved, always saved. Our Lutheran confessions are very clear on that. And matter of fact, the Missouri Synod has gone through not just one, not just two, but probably three huge controversies regarding the doctrine of election, okay, or predestination. And it's possible we kind of might have one still going on in the Missouri Synod, but it's, it's, there's other things that have kind of propped up, and you know how that is trying to, it's like trying to figure out what's, what's going on with the government, man. You know, well, you like turn on the news and watch the impeachment. It's all about the impeachment. Well, what about this bill for that and bill for that? You don't hear much about those. But let's not complain about that, shall we? Um, so, yes, you can reject your faith. Well, yeah. God, God is, a, God is a, a, a slow to anger, abounding. God is, you, repent. It's called repentance. So what is it, you know, every time you... Huh? No, because one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So you have your baptismal robes on, and they get really dirty. I, lo- I like where you're going with this. You're giving me more material here. So, so you're baptized, right? So you have a baptismal robe on right now. Go ahead and feel your robe. Go ahead. Just, just do it for fun. It'll keep you from getting too bored in class, okay? You got your baptismal robe, all right? And now think about yesterday. Think about the day before. Okay? And you might think about the things you did that your baptism robe stayed pretty clean. Correct? Now think about some things that you thought, said, or did that got those robes pretty dirty. Okay? You stepped into some stuff. Maybe you even rolled around it. 
Okay? Now, what the Lord offers is the ability... Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here, and I'm probably going to get crucified for this comment as well. Church is like a washing machine. Okay? Church is like a washing machine. You, you all come in here, and, and then it's the pastor's job to put the detergent in and spin you really good. <laughs> right? And, and get, get all of the, and of course the Holy Spirit is doing this. Let's, let's not just, just credit the pastors. The pastors are, are just the people that work in the laundromat, right? Uh, or back behind the scenes, okay? And they're bringing the detergent and they're ironing and they're, you know, you might like your shirt uh, starched. You might not even know what starch is anymore. Um, but, you know, and so God comes now and he, he washes your robes. And so the divine service once a week is like taking your stuff to the cleaners, Okay? Except that you also live on a daily basis with that baptism, and the power of the Word of God is still at work with you, even when there's not a pastor around, or you're not gathered with your faith family. You live daily in your baptism, okay? You have God's name that you can use. You have the prayer that Jesus gave you, which Luther basically encourages you. Remember when, way back when we figured out how many times Luther wanted us to pray the Lord's Prayer? When you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night... And before and after every meal, you get three squares a day, that's six, morning and evening, seven, eight. That's what Luther encouraged. Why? Because the Lord's Prayer is Jesus' word. It's actually the Bible for you. Same thing in the divine service with divine service setting three. Pastor took the Lord's Prayer away from us. He's just saying it himself. Oh, no, don't go there. What's happening is Jesus is teaching you how to pray. You get it? The pastor is simply speaking the words, but Jesus is coming through the pastor and teaching you how to pray. This is my prayer, he says. Pray it. Now use it the rest of the week. And then you, then, then you, you, you hear what Jesus has to say, and you say, For thine is the kingdom and the power. You see what you're doing there? Okay, so make sure you understand why we do some of the things we do liturgically as well. Okay, so your baptismal robes get dirty. Okay, um, at what point do you completely take them off? I can't answer that. Okay, only God is going to know that. Okay, um, we can usually have a pretty good idea of how people might be living in sin and their baptism robes are pretty dirty, and then we encourage them to come get them cleaned. Okay, um, or they've screwed up or we've screwed up, and that's where forgiveness of sins is so important between people and between God. Okay, last question, because we're past time. You guys are all fired up now. I like it. You want to come sit in the deer blind with me? Yes, ma'am. It was added by the Christian church. It was added by the Christian church. For thine is the kingdom is not in the Bible. It's a summary of what the Bible says. And it was added by the church as a response to what Jesus has to say. Got it? Yeah, because if you look up the Lord's Prayer, and you also see the Lord's Prayer, you know, it's, it's all there in Scripture, but there's also sometimes a little different ordering of the petitions or some that are missing, okay? But, but they're all there, so we use all Scripture together to inform that. Okay, anything else? Is that enough for now? Let's stop there. Come join us Thanksgiving Day, Divine Service, uh, 10 o'clock a.m. No better way to give thanks to God for the gifts of uh, freedom that he's still given us and, uh, and our country and also to pray for our country.
Uh, so 10 o'clock a.m. on Thursday morning, okay? No Wednesday activities this week. We're on Thanksgiving break, uh, so uh, enjoy that as well. And uh, if you're feeling up for a, uh, some good high school football, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium next weekend. And, and, if, and if your team is out of it, come cheer for the Lutheran Saints. We're playing the Catholics from Lafayette. <laughs> Let's stand and close with prayer. Lafayette, West Lafayette. What did I say? I always stick my foot in my mouth. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen.